Good afternoon. That was El Janina. It was featuring Mali Walid and it was by Zaid Nays. Is that all right? Yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, look, this is Kitchen Radio on C Community Radio. Uh, my name's Rita Katoni. I've had a few weeks off and it's been great to be able to replay a couple of the um, episodes I've broadcast over the last few weeks. It's also been really great to have a few weeks off. But tonight I'm back and I'm planning on focusing uh, a few shows on different cuisines. My special guest tonight is Yasmin Mushabasi. Hi, Yasmin. Hey, Rita. <laughs> hey, everyone. So I've known Yasmin for ages and will, in fact, I think you were one of the first people I ever met in Central Australia. I remember you arriving. Yes, yeah. arriving in Yundamu yep. like 20 years ago. But we're not going to talk about the old days. We're just going to talk about Jordanian food tonight and I'm so excited about this. But before we launch into Jordanian food, I always like to ask my guests what have they been cooking of interest. It gives me a chance to talk about what I've been cooking too. So I tasted something you cooked last week which was really yummy. Can you maybe talk about that? Sure. I actually am growing a lot of stuff in my backyard at the moment and... I've got what I call the sea of rocket, which is... Oh, it is, it's not flowering and disappearing? Uh, some of it is flowering, but yep. lots of it isn't. But it's so much rocket and interspersed in it is wasabi leaf. Oh, really? And so much wasabi real, leaf. Real wasabi? No, no. It's a salad-y oh, okay. type thing, leafy thing that's called wasabi leaf, which you can use in salads. And it has like a real wasabi aftertaste, but you don't eat the root. And... Because I've got so much of it, and I'm so sick of eating salads, I turn it into different types of pesto and mm -hmm. dips and things. And so different amounts of leaves and then different types of nuts and lots of garlic and parmesan and olive oil and if you want some lemon. Anyway, so I whack together another batch of that. Um, they always taste different. Mm -hmm. And then just took the stems out of mushrooms and then filled the mushrooms with the... Did you do anything with it or was it just chopped or pureed rocket? Well, you know, yeah. just... Do you put garlic in Oh, no, that's... Yeah, a, yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 sorry. I was possibly I not, paying that, attention. not paying attention. I'm sorry, was I was, so I was listening to... So I was turning my phone <laughs> off. Did you hear that beep? Uh, it was really great because I was thinking I tasted garlic oh, no, there. There was yes. a lot of it was garlic really yummy, in it. yeah. Um, yeah, no, everything I do has a lot of garlic. Like right, if you can put yeah. garlic in it, I put You a put lot. it in, yeah. yeah. And yeah, garlic, parmesan, olive oil, a little bit of lemon, mm -hmm. a bit of salt. And then, yeah, just put a really, like almost as much as the mushroom itself, size-wise, mm -hmm. on top of the mushroom. So the mushroom is like lying on its back. Oh, okay, top. yeah, it's yeah. on its back. It's yeah. its little feet up in the air yeah. as if, if yeah. it had Except little feet. I yeah. took the feet out. <laughs> Anyways, and then you just put it on a baking tray, like oil it at the bottom so yep. the mushrooms get a bit kind of roasted and whack it in the oven. Yummy. And done. How long did you cook it for? Till it was done. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, I want to talk about what I seem to have had a preoccupation with this week and I seem to have had a preoccupation with rolls. Mm. So I made uh, cannelloni on uh, Tuesday night and I used cavallo nero instead of yeah. um, spinach. So much tastier. Yeah. And then the other night I made uh, stuffed cabbage rolls, like very, very simple Polish style. Yeah. Mm. And now I've got dolmatas on my mind since <laughs> I've been doing all the research on Jordanian food. So I don't know what it all means. I don't want to think about it too much. 
But yes, I mean, let's talk about you. So your background is actually Jordanian and German. Yep. And I know you love cooking and food. Can you just tell me, you know, a little bit about your interest in food? Which of those, um, you know, countries or family, mm. I suppose, influenced your, your cooking and your interest in food? Definitely. I mean, I can cook German food, but definitely the Jordanian side is where all the food passion comes mm-hmm. from. I want to talk about my grandma, but before I do that, I want to yep. talk about what we used to eat at home, which was because both mum and dad were working, and so mum would throw together food during the week. So your mum's German and your yeah, dad's Jordanian. Jordanian. That's right. And so mum would throw food together during the week that you know we just all ate, and on the weekends, dad would cook because dad's cooking takes much longer. Mm-hmm. But it's also much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly Jordanian. So, like all the like when there was guests there on the weekends, it was Jordanian food. Yeah. But um, so I always had like a thing, kind of thinking that Jordanian food was slightly better than German food. But well, that's just from <laughs> kind of growing up like that. There is delicious German one, food yeah. too. So no, I, I don't want to knock it. But um, my main connection to Jordanian food comes from. Having spent uh, anything between, I think like two weeks would have been the minimum and probably five or six months the maximum. Um, but every year I went to Jordan and, you know, stayed for some period there and usually stayed with my grandmother mm-hmm. and my cousins and my uncles and like the rest of the family. Um, and there's hundreds of us. And, but my parents often left me there. So my grandmother was the one that I actually stayed with. and. and uh- yeah, and of course you you just didn't fly to Jordan, did you? No, no, no. <laughs> we used to drive down from Germany. <laughs> from Germany to Jordan. To Jordan, and then Mum and Dad would fly back because they'd drive down like an old Mercedes and sell it. Um, and it, you know, some person who wanted to be a taxi driver would buy it. <laughs> they would fly back, leave me there, and then come back a few months later and pick me up. And then I'd you know, drive down another car. Yeah. Anyway, so in the meantime, I would spend a lot of time with my grandmother who was the most passionate cook you can possibly imagine. And she basically spent all her day cooking. Mm -hmm. And cooking, it's not just cooking, it's like... Preparing. Yeah, but it's not just that either. So like the houses were all, like say the whole family lived on a little hill. And so like my grandmother's roof would be like my next aunt's veranda and then so on and so on and so on. And and then to the side as well. And so like all of us kids would just run around and like in one house and out the other. But when I wasn't playing with my cousins, I'd be hanging out with my grandmother who was sitting in her kitchen preparing food and talking to all her sisters and aunties and cousins who were there and they were preparing their food as well. So the kitchens were, yeah, where all the women were and where the kids were when they were tired or not playing with the others or like Suki or whatever. And yeah, so he'd spend a lot of time in the kitchen and my grandmother was always, always, always just doing stuff in prep for, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like she'd prep things for that same night, but she'd also pre-prep things for like next week. And, you know, she'd make um, couscous from scratch. Like she would make everything from scratch. And um, and she's a really good teacher. Yeah. And And so... a garden as well like a we had like a huge big fig tree in the backyard so there was always fresh figs during mm-hmm. fig season but i don't think anything else grew there there was goats okay. 
and then over the ball was the cemetery. <laughs> so. Because, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Jordan because I actually had to get a map out and go, oh, well, where is Jordan, you know? And, you know, there's there's this idea about it being, you know, in the Arab states, you know, so you've got Jordan and Syria and Lebanon and Palestine and mm. they're all that's in that. Yeah, so kitchen-wise it's in the Levant. Yes. Yeah. But Jordan is quite different, isn't it, than um, with Palestine or, or Lebanon because of course it doesn't um, border the sea that's right um so it's much much dry well it's proper desert mm. as in my dad always laughs when he comes to Alice Springs and we call it a desert here because yeah, to him it just looks so green <laughs> um no Jordan is like it's just it looks like rubble and stone most of it and nothing much grows yeah and so Jordanians used to I mean there still is a lot but like the origins are all Bedouin so it's people traveling around with their goat herds and their camels and so anything that you have in terms of food you either you know it's alive with you until you kill it or it's on the back of a camel so it's a lot of nuts and spices and grains and pulses and Mm -hmm. dates and things that keep for forever and ever so you know like especially Lebanese and Palestinian cuisine is chock-a-block full of super fresh things we love them, but we don't have that many mm. of them. You've you mentioned a couple of things that you might find in a Jordanian kitchen, you know, um, just now, like um, spices and goats, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, but there's, there are some quite specific ingredients there, aren't there, that most Jordanian kitchens would have in their, mm. in the kitchens. Yeah. Could we go through what some of those might be? Okay, so the number one thing really would be samnet because you use it for pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. And that's a type of ghee, so um, clarified butter, Mm -hmm. but it has spices in it. So you you clarify the butter and then you boil the butter with the spices and then you put it in a big container and just use whatever, Mm. however much you need. And it would keep for a really long time. Yeah. And I I read that you can't just replace something with ghee because it is actually different, even though they're both clarified butters, they are quite different yeah yeah i mean in why. alice springs i use ghee but i use the sumner spice and yeah. then i just put it together and it kind of it kind of works yeah. i think the spice is more important than the actual butter butter base because if i just put the smallest spoonful of it into a frying pan mm-hmm. just like the aroma that comes from it to me is there's like the essence of Middle East. Like it just yeah. smells like home and childhood and everything together. And, and that's like a, you talked about each family having this kind of spice mix or like a masala yeah. mix yeah. and that's... Yeah. Um, so the Sumner, again, every family has their own one, but the Sumner is pretty similar. But then Baharat, which is, yeah, like the equivalent of a masala mix, that is like the main spice mix that you would use um, for like a lot of meat dishes and mm-hmm. things. And there, every family definitely has their own. Like the the main ingredients would be the same. So it'd be cardamom, cinnamon, cumin, always pimento, and then whatever else you mm-hmm. want. And then the percentages would change. But from family to yeah. family. Yeah. And then that would be carried down from like you know daughter to daughter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you get on to that. <laughs> So there's a couple of other things out there, like tahina. Ah, uh, always, yeah, always yeah. tahina. Yeah, um, lots of nuts. You have to have nuts. Lots of nuts. Um, beans or yeah, you did talk about that before. Well, chickpeas, the, the beans, rice. Yeah, you have all of those. Um, but yeah, also 
Portugal and like lots of other kind of and you know the things that you would make um, mm -hmm. um, couscous out of and and, yep. and dried dried fruits as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For cooking or more for eating? Both. Okay. Yeah. And what about the your actual utensils? Are they sort of must have or preferably have in your uh, Jordanian kitchen? Definitely a whole shit ton, excuse me, <laughs> of sinias. Um, so sinias is like a big round, it's like a baking tray, but it's round mm -hmm. and it has like a high rim and you use it for everything. Mm -hmm. So you have, you, yeah, you just need lots. You just need them. Because you're not cooking necessarily in an oven all the time? No, no. Like, I mean, these days most yeah. people do, but it all comes from cooking on a fire. Mm -hmm. But so you use the sinia both for the actual cooking, so these ones you would use in an oven now, but you also use them in prep. Mm -hmm. So you, like what you need is lots of sinias and lots of bowls because mm -hmm. you kind of have so many different ingredients. So you kind of, and then you have them fresh and then you have them peeled and then you have them mm -hmm. steamed and then you have them this and that. So you kind of move them from one container into the next before they all come together. Wow. And I liked your, your idea, like you, you sort of gave me this vision of you're not, people aren't necessarily sitting in a, in a kitchen and chopping things up on a chopping board but that idea of people actually oh no you, you like i mean now it's different again yeah, but like again. when i was a kid you everyone's sitting on the floor or on like little stools yep. and you kind of chop it in your hands mm. into the bowl or the sunia and you need everything on the on the like so when i bake now like mm -hmm. i still do all my kneading on the floor because oh, it's wow. much easier like oh, okay. I, I just can't need properly standing yeah, up. Yeah. Is it because you've actually can sort of get some weight you get behind the, yeah, it? Yeah, you get the, the whole body wow, I've never behind it. I've never thought about that before. I just, yeah. like, I don't, yeah, I don't think about it. I just, like, <laughs> I start kneading on the kitchen counter yeah, yeah. and then I always take the bowl down yeah. and I just sit on the floor. And it's just, it, yeah, it just becomes yeah. smoother and it's much easier, much more fun. Now, there's another implement that a, a lot of Jordanian kitchens have in them, isn't it? And it's, it's to be used with zucchinis. Not zucchinis. Oh, <laughs> Does it have a name? I, I'm sure it does. <laughs> I was just thinking, damn, I hope she doesn't ask it me was, for the name. Yeah, um, okay. I just forgot it. Just It'll come it to me. But zucchini cora? Well, I wouldn't because we don't have zucchinis. But oh, um, a marrow <laughs> Well, we don't call them marrow either. We call them kusa, and you would have seen them yes. like at markets and things. And you can you can see them in Melbourne and Sydney. You can. And um, here. yeah, yeah, no, sadly, they kind of have the same shape as zucchinis, but Do they have a little bit of a bigger bottom. They might, mm -hmm. but they're much paler. And so they're very pale green and then they've got almost white little stripes and they can be quite hairy as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I tried to grow them last year. They were sold to me as Lebanese uh, zucchini. Sorry <laughs> about that. And, and I, I failed like miserably. everything in Australia is like Lebanese cucumbers <laughs> and Lebanese bread. Like um, my cousins always die laughing when they see it. But I have eaten them in, in Melbourne and I think that's why I, I really wanted to, to try them because you're right, they're actually not a zucchini because they've act, they're actually quite a bit different to a zucchini Yeah, as well. like the, the, I mean, the texture is different but the flavour is totally, mm. totally different. Yeah, yeah. And I think also the way the, the skin holds together is different from a zucchini. So this implement, the name mm. of which I can't remember, you used to um, hollow out the kusa and long thin eggplants as well because mm -hmm. you cook them together so before you stuff them you need to hollow mm -hmm. them out and so it's a long like i don't know like say 15 centimeters 
long above the wooden handle metal implement that's very sharp it's like rounded Mm. so it's kind of like a like if you kind of were to bend a knife over a pen i'm starting to get a vision of it and that's how you push it in a little bit like so the the tip of it is yeah the tip of it is very sharp and the sides of it are very Mm -hmm. sharp and then you kind of push it into the kusa and then you kind of with your like if you hold it in your right hand you go kind of clockwise with your right hand turning the implement so I'll just and then yes means turning your hand <laughs> <laughs> and then you hold the kusa in your left hand and you turn it the other way okay. around and then you kind of push it in a little bit further and and you hold it upwards so that like all the stuff comes out at the bottom and then you have a sinea there where it all just falls into yeah and then what you don't want to happen is piercing through the skin Ooh. very bad and what you do want to happen is a really smooth and even hollowing out mm-hmm. with a fairly thin kind of skin around mm-hmm. so that you can have lots and lots of stuffing and not too much kusa, mm-hmm. lots and lots of stuffing and not too much eggplant. Yeah. And um, so like for kids, for example, like, I mean, that's how I learned. You kind of get little stumpy ones and you hollow them out and they have like holes everywhere because you kind of keep stabbing yeah. them. And they cook them on top and they you get them and you're very proud, but it's also everybody laughs at them because they're very cute, but you also learn that, you know, it's much better if you don't stab through and if you don't, you know, if you do make a much bigger hollow than what you actually can when you're, like, little. Um, And there's stuff with rice and meat and spices normally? Yeah, yeah. So the the kusa is part of a metza generally? No, no, that would be a main dish. It would be a main dish. Yeah. Um, so do most meals start with a, a metza or is a metza something more you would eat in between meals? Well, a lot of things we will eat at every meal. Okay. So hummus and full and, and right. stuff like that. You can have for breakfast, you can have for lunch, and you can have for dinner. And you can just have hummus for breakfast and you can have just hummus and like some tomatoes and cucumbers and onion for lunch. If you, you know, are in a Russian, you don't have much time. But if you were to have hummus at night then it's never served on its own. Then it would mm-hmm. be just one of like 20 different mm-hmm. little things in little bowls. And there would also be different toppings on the hummus yep. and then there'd be other things. And so everyone sits around and there's like lots and lots of little bowls with all these things and you just dip into them mm. with bread. And is, is that the actual meal or is that a precursor to a meal? <laughs> that is technically it's the actual meal yep. because you get very full doing that. But... No, practically that's the actual mm-hmm. meal. Technically it isn't. Technically it's the entree. Yep. Because once you'd completely and utterly stuffed yourself on that, they bring the main meal. Oh, <laughs> and then you, you've got to eat it. Yeah. Any other things that you, that are like the, what I would call a metza that are your, your, some of your favourite um, specialties to, to Jordan? Because apparently there is a baba ganoush, or what I would call a baba, yeah, let's call yeah. it an eggplant. Mtabbal, um, mtabbal. It's different yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... And again, like every family would have their own tabal mm-hmm. recipe, but I think like one big difference is that ours is much more smoky. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when you prepare the eggplant for the, you know, what in Lebanon is called baba ganoush mm-hmm. and what we call them tabal, you like just take the raw eggplant as it is and you put it over an actual flame mm-hmm. and you keep turning it until the outer skin is like completely and utterly charred mm-hmm. and the eggplant like the flesh inside gets softer and softer and softer and we just char it a lot longer mm-hmm. i think than mm-hmm. other people so it, it like if the table doesn't 
tastes smoky, mm-hmm. then we don't like it. Okay. And then there's another way in which you can actually make it taste a bit smokier, which is like one way of getting to the eggplant flesh, and that's the way they usually tell you in cookbooks is that you just half the eggplant and then you spoon out the flesh, and that's the quicker way too. Now, the way my grandmother would do it is that she actually takes the eggplant and she peels off all the skin with her fingers, yeah. which is much harder because it kind of it's yeah. it kind of because it was so charred mm. it's a teeny weeny little like some pieces are really big mm. but lots of pieces are really really tiny and you get much you actually end up with more flesh but okay. you also end up with more burnt bits yeah and that lovely charcoal mm. taste and do you put yogurt with it as well is that a standard or is that no is that is well? again that's that's uh, it kind of you can put yogurt you can put tahini you can put neither. Okay. And then you can put garlic or you can't, you, know, you don't put garlic and you can put lemon or you don't put lemon. Okay. Definitely have to put salt. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, any combination of those and mm-hmm. then you've got your own family recipe. Because it is really interesting looking at Jordanian food, looking at how many similarities there are with their sort of neighbouring states. But there is one dish we're going to talk about after the break, after our song, um, and that is uh, very much, you know, just a Jordanian special dish, and, th- and that's called mansaf. 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 <laughs> okay, Yazin by El Maraba 3. Oh, yeah, you. I know, and that, they are quite a uh, popular group in uh, in Jordan. And, and it's really funny trying to find music, you know, try to find contemporary Jordanian music, Yasmin, and it, there was a lot of heavy metal, I've got to say, like so much heavy metal, yeah, and I just I could not bring myself. It. Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> it was almost all heavy metal. So no, um, I did can't sort be. of filter through it and find something that I felt was palatable because that's the theme of the show is everything <laughs> that's palatable. So we're going to talk about Mansaf. 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 Okay. Yeah. Tell All me right. about it. Okay, Mansaf is seriously the best thing in the world. <laughs> like there's just nothing, and there's nothing like it, like nothing. Like you wouldn't have ever eaten anything that tastes like it either. Like it, it's just its own thing. And yes, nobody outside of Jordan makes it. Everybody knows it, like in the Middle East, mm-hmm. but everybody knows it as a Jordanian thing. And so this is how it's made. So the first ingredient that you need is, we call it jamid. It's, it looks like a big stone. It's like, you know, if you put both your hands, like the fingers of your hands together, but then the hands apart, mm-hmm. it'd be like that big. And it's white. And what it is, is fermented and then dried goat's milk. And there's two places in Jordan that make it. Wow, that's it. No, I mean there's more, but oh, there's okay. two that that you know <laughs> that are famous for making okay. it. Okay, one is um, a lovely, beautiful old city called Al Salt, which is actually where my family is from, and the other one is called Karak, which is one of the old Crusaders' castles and the town around it, and. I must say the karaki one is actually nicer than the salty one, which is a bad thing for me to say because my family's one is the salty one, but I like the other one better. The karaki one is just a little bit creamier and Uh fine, and the salty one is coarser. Anyway, so um, so you get your jamid, which you can't because you live in Australia, but, you know, imagine (laughs) you got your jamid. You got our jamid. And then what you do is you reconstitute 
the source. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, what is a stone and what, yeah. you know, Bedouins carry around in the desert. And, you know, again, this is how the milk doesn't, yeah. like, you know, it just doesn't go off. You can carry those stones around with you for years. And is it like hard? How it's hard as is hard it? as a stone, as heavy wow. as a stone. And it looks like a stone. Yeah. But it's, it's not a stone. It's not a stone. <laughs> um, anyway, so you reconstitute it. Most, like, the easiest way to. Do, no, the easiest way today to do it is just throw it in a mixer with water. Yep. But um, you can still taste that. It's not as good. So the way you really do it is just you'd have two of them or you break one in mm-hmm. half, which is very hard because they're as hard mm. as a stone. And you kind of rub them against each other in water. So mm-hmm. it's another thing that you need bowls for. Mm. And you do that until it's all gone and you've got enough of what we actually call labne. Labne mm-hmm. just then means the, the action, like the actual sauce that you make out of it. So you turn it into a big saucepan full of, and by big saucepan, I mean like mm. put your arms together <laughs> and a bit more saucepan. Yeah. And is it milky and creamy looking at this point? Yes. Yep, okay, yep. And then you boil it. And you also, or previously, took some either goat or lamb shoulder mm-hmm. and you fried that up and you can pre-boil it in water if you want to with like some allspice and like pimento and and um, bay leaf and stuff. But then the last bit, you boil it in the sauce. Mm-hmm. Then what you need is... So you're boiling it in the, like the labna type yeah. sauce? Yep. Yeah. And then what you need is shrag, mm-hmm. which... <laughs> All these new words. I know. <laughs> I love shrug. Um, I love saying shrug too. Um, actually, I went into a Lebanese shop in um, Warson in Canberra not so long ago and looked for shrug and they didn't have any. And so I asked him if he had any. And he did say he had some at the back and he laughed and laughed and laughed. And he said, you from Jordan? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so shrug is um, Jordan Bedouin bread. Okay. It's a very particular – so it's – much bigger than what you would know as Lebanese bread. And it's thicker and it's not too lots of it. It's just one, mm-hmm. like, it's not hollow. Um, so it's somewhere between Lebanese bread and Afghani bread. Okay. And, yeah, it kind of has, it's, it, it, it's wavy. wavy and wobbly. And um, anyway, so you need a massive big piece of shrak and a very, very big sinia, so that, that okay. round. Big metal round. Yeah. Um, and so you put the shrag mm-hmm. on the bottom and then you pile a ginormous heap of rice mm-hmm. and you cook the rice with um, korkum. What do you call it? Oh, yes. no. The That's yellow it. stuff that everyone thinks is really healthy. Um, turmeric. Okay. Yeah, so you, you cook the rice with um, turmeric to make it yellow. Yep. And then, yeah, you basically have the most biggest pile of rice mm-hmm. on that really big sinir on top of the shrag. Mm-hmm. And then um, you put over the rice almonds and pine nuts that you've Whoa. roasted yep. before. I forgot to tell you that, but yep. you did that before. See, this is one of the things that you do before. No, that's all right. But it's because you're, you're imagining <laughs> cooking it, you know. That's what makes it really interesting. And anyway, so, yeah, you, you sprinkle the most liberal portion of roasted um, almonds and, and pine nuts over it. And then everyone that you've invited over kind of stands in a circle around it. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of place the big meat bits that you kind of spoon out of the 
sauce on top of the almonds mm -hmm. and the pine nuts so that you have a ginormous mountain of food. And then you get a ladle and you walk around and in front of every person you kind of put some of the labneh mm -hmm. on, the, on the rice. And the way you eat it is that you use your right hand only and you rip off a little bit of rak and you take some of the rice and some of the nuts and you pull off some of the meat from the um, large pieces from the large yep. pieces that almost be like slow roasted mm -hmm. like they'd be really soft so you just pull some off and make sure that you got lots of the labne and then you kind of yeah like have your right hand full of that stuff and then you move your right hand really quickly so it kind of forms into a perfect round ball of mm -hmm. deliciousness and then you put it in your mouth or if you've got like your favorite people around you put it into their mouth oh i, I know and are, are there any rules about not touching um the person's mouth with it yeah with you flip it you flip it with your thumb from your okay. hand into that person so yeah. You know, as a little kid, you kind of just run around and all your favourite uncles kind of keep Dropping flipping balls of mansaf in into your mouth, which is the best. Oh, wow. Because um, that etiquette's really interesting, isn't it? So for that to sort of to work, everybody's got to follow these rules of not eating it with their left hand. And yeah. And did you learn how to roll it into a ball as a, like as a child? Every summer you were going back there, were you getting better and better at that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I have tasted it when you made it and I found that that ball rolling was the, the hardest thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like when, when I have friends come over to Jordan from Australia or from Germany, they they can't roll the balls and everybody yeah. laughs. It's very funny. <laughs> this is a Bedouin tradition, isn't it? Yeah. Like everybody's sitting around. Yeah, and, and so this is, this is a total feast thing. Yes. So you do this for weddings, for funerals, um, and yeah, like any kind of festive thing. Yeah. Um, so it's not an everyday dish. And, you know, like everybody's sharing this one plate, you know. Is there, is there enough to go around? Or? <laughs> um, okay, so this one plate that we're talking about is as big as a Toyota wheel but much higher. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you'd have like ten people stand around it and there's no way on earth they can ever finish it. And if you have more than ten people come yep. for months of, then you have many, many of those dishes mm -hmm. um you can't possibly ever especially months of but really any, anything in jordan you can't serve food to your guests and run out mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen it's like utterly unimaginable <laughs> so can you talk to me about that sort of that etiquette about eating about because um, you're not just you've got to keep eating don't you like Ooh, yeah. if you're a guest yeah 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 and eating yeah um <laughs> yeah and eating <laughs> overeaten and more than overeaten yeah. so you want to and like i mean jordanian women are pushy mm -hmm. like they will just make you eat long after you wanted to stop <laughs> eating and it's so is rude. there obesity there or no 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 not very like i mean this is in feasts like at yeah. home you just eat normal proportions yep, yep, sure but you know if you have people over or yeah. if you go out to a restaurant with people or like if there's a wedding or a funeral, then you just get spoiled rotten. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's that whole thing of, you know, like yeah, uncles putting months of balls into all their nephews and nieces' yeah. mouths, and um, the woman who's the women who've cooked kind of just keeping feeding people. Like there's something about feeding others that yeah. 
Um, it's, it's about looking after and nurturing. Yeah, and but it's almost violent because <laughs> <laughs> you have to eat so much. <laughs> Are there any other sort of etiquettes in Jordanian, um, you know, cooking culture? Um, because you talked about like that, all the signifiers of of, a, of being a you know a, a good woman, really. So obviously, oh uh, yeah, yeah, to, no, that um, there's there's to absolutely overfeed your guests. Yeah, is, yeah. is well, one clearly, yeah, yeah like. Um, that makes you a very good woman. Other things would be, ah, oh, speaking of the pine nuts and the almonds. So when you brown them, so like, you know, they, how they're white when they're like peeled, and then you want to fry them in some net mm-hmm. until they're brown so you can put them over the mansa or whatever other dish you're dealing with. You get judged on, and you judge yourself and you judge others <laughs> on how regular or irregular the browning is. Okay. Like, oh, on the nuts. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I remember like one time I met Mansaf in Sydney and this friend of mine who's like a total foodie came and he said, oh, my God, I've never seen that many pine nuts all of the same colour. Oh, wow. And Good on you, yes, mate. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there. I'm very good at roasting pine nuts. Um, <laughs> no, it was then that I realised that Hell, yeah. we really judge people by oh, by, the, by how good a cook you are, or how uh, no, no, by yeah, like how Certain yeah, like how how thin sure. how thin your kusa is when yeah. you, or like how regular brown your, your pine nuts, nuts are. are. Um, another way would be uh, another one of my favorite dishes, um, magluba, is um, it's like a layered dish where you have the meat on the bottom of the saucepan and then the vegetable and then the rice and then again every family has like their own ways of doing it uh the way we do it is um we have lamb and then eggplants and then rice but you can also do chicken and broad beans and Mm -hmm. rice or um lamb or chicken and cauliflower and rice whatever and um and you cook it in a specific way and then magluba just means upside down and then the way you serve it is and again these are big saucepans because you usually feed a lot of people the way you serve it is that you have everyone sit around in the circle and you come in with that very big saucepan sometimes it takes two people or three people and then you turn the saucepan around and then you kind of keep um, patting the top for a little while and then you lift the saucepan up Mm -hmm. and it's meant to be a perfectly round tower of food and if it crumbles and falls, or if it sticks, <gasps> bad. Bad marks. Very, very embarrassing. Yeah, wow. And what about men? Are men cooking as well, or is it mainly women? My dad always cooked, yep. and he loves cooking. But when you go and stay in Wadi Ram, which is like one of my favourite parts of Jordan, which is, you know, that <laughs> maybe that's why I like it here so much. It's where that really, really red sand is, uh-huh. you know, where they um, film all the mass movies. And so it's kind of red sand like in the Simpson Desert, but there's no plants or anything. And it's just like rocky outcrops and red sand and super beautiful. And you can go there and then you can stay with different um, Bedouin families and okay. they kind of, you know, take you around and show you their sites. And 
then you camp um, at night in Bedouin tents and they'll cook you Bedouin food and it's always the men cooking the food. Because this is like the, that Bedouin food gets cooked in the fire, so sure. it's big pots and in the uh, fire. Are we going to be judging those Bedouin men on their cooking as well or is uh, the judging really excellent. only <laughs> <laughs> To women, hey, I suppose it's a they're question. Bedouin it's men, <laughs> you can't judge them, they're perfect already. <laughs> Okay, what about dolmatas? The equivalent are they, are they a signifier of a of a good woman? If you can totally again, dolmata? there's there's two ways of doing it. Three actually. One is um, we call them warak dawali, which just means um, rolled leaves. Yep. One is that ours are much skinnier. Yes, I have tried them. Yeah. I, I looked at the pictures and I was like, oh, I, I've tried these yeah. really long. Yeah, like the Greek ones dolmatas. to me look like super little. Fat and stumpy. Yes, <laughs> was, I wasn't going to say that, but that would have I been love what them. I, I love them, yeah. but they look just obese. Yeah, and um, yeah, ours are very skinny, and so one one way in which you get judged is you know how skinny they are yep. and how neatly rolled they are mm-hmm. because you don't want them to unravel when you take them out. The other way is the ratio between getting the leaves soft in the cooking but the rice not too mushy mm-hmm. but the third one is like my gluba because you serve the warak dawali again that's like a massive big saucepan and, and you layer them all in there and then you layer meat in there and you can layer um, kusa in there stuff mm-hmm. kusa in there as well and then you turn that saucepan upside down as well and again it must make a oh. tower of food and if it doesn't large quantities of food here aren't there oh there's big (laughs) families and lots of people and it's fun to feed them all yeah what about desserts like are you having are people having desserts as a a separate you know experience in itself or are they part of a a meal usually they're like at the end of a feast you would definitely have desserts not at funerals i think but everything else you can have them like i mean now you can just go and have them anytime you like <laughs> but <laughs> in the old days um you'd get them yeah at the end of a feast and and some of them like one of my favorite ones for example there was seasonal to not seasonal in terms of summer and spring but um you could only get it during ramadan okay and set that kataya yeah, yeah yeah can you describe that <gasps> okay okay after months of kataya is the best yes. so they're like little round semolina pancakes Mm -hmm. that only one side has been cooked and the other side is all bubbly from the um, baking powder Mm -hmm. and stuff and then you stuff them either with a mix of like walnuts pine nuts cinnamon and sugar or with this really lovely cheese that you can't get in australia that is somewhere halfway between Halloumi and mascarpone. Mm, oh. oh, okay. It's an interesting combination. It's like, that's <coughs> yeah. where it is. Is it stringy or? A little bit, but not too much. Yeah, okay. But it's also soft, but not too soft. So you either have the nuts in it or you have the cheese in it. And then you kind of fold the um, little pancake over and then close, the, close it on the side so it looks like a half moon. Mm-hmm. And then you deep fry it. Oh, oh, oh. Of course. Of course. And then you take it out of the deep fryer and then you soak it in syrup. Oh, of course, the sugar and water syrup. Yeah. The, Sounds yeah, very Yeah, delicate. so it's like um, orange blossom rose yeah. water syrup. And then you eat them and, my God, they're good. 
And what about the other one? Is it called Kunafat? Kunafat. Kunafat. Same cheese. And on the bottom you kind of have, you could just have the cheese or nutty bits. And then on top you have this crunchy noodly stuff that's the actual knafe. So like those sort of like those uh, almost those vermicelli noodles yeah. you get sometimes yeah. in yeah. Um, um, Middle Eastern yeah. cooking in Sydney Road yeah. in uh, yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, those ones. Exactly <laughs> those ones. Yeah, and then it gets baked and so the che- and and then again it gets soaked in um, orange blossom rose water syrup and wow. so you kind of have this with all of them you have this really lovely mix between a little bit savoury and very sweet. Mm-hmm. And a little bit crunchy and soft, yeah, and a little the bit. Yeah, textures sound am- amazing. I yeah. have to say that one in particular with that crispy layer, and then the cheese looked like it was a bit kind of was it is it hot or yeah. stringy? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, you would have the it. same with the gatai because yeah. it's fried, so the outside of the pancake is really crunchy. Yep. And it's not like a it's not like an eggy pancake. Mm-hmm. It's um, I just call them pancakes. They're not pancakes at all. And um, yeah, so it's really crunchy. And then the the cheese inside is mm-hmm. really hot. And then sounds yeah. amazing. And are you eating this with tea or coffee? Tea. Tea, right? So tea is the the drink of choice generally. Yeah. Yeah. And coffee as well sometimes. Yeah, like so. Uh, coffee is really. I mean, they're both very traditional. But coffee, we got two. Well, apart from that, you know, now you can go to lots of cafes and have like the same coffees that you have here, but. There's two kind of traditional types of coffee. One is the Bedouin coffee that you get served when you first arrive at a place mm-hmm. that is very, very bitter. And you just get a teeny weeny. So basically the, the host comes around with a stack of, you know, those little half round Arabic teacups. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have like a stack of them on the one arm mm-hmm. and um, okay. the coffee, like, the, you know, that proper coffee pot. Yeah that you make the coffee with on the fire on the other and then they just put a teeny weeny bit of coffee in the cup and give it to the first person and a teeny bit into the next cup to the next person and so on and then they go through the room until everyone has has had a cup and then they come around and they offer you a second lot of coffee Mm -hmm. and then they come around and offer you a third lot of coffee but you you have to drink the first lot Mm -hmm. because that's the whole I'm I'm, you know I'm a guest you're the host the host and the guest kind of hello Mm -hmm. thing and then the second one means like with the second one if you take the second one you just express closeness Mm -hmm. and the third one if you do accept the third one it means that you need to talk to the person on some Okay. Urgent and dicey okay. business so outside the tent. So, so, so be careful about yeah. having a so third like coffee. So like if you yeah yeah if you if, if you're a tourist <laughs> don't don't accept the third lot of coffee. <laughs> and yeah. then there's Turkish coffee, which yes. you know you could have with dessert or whenever. Okay, okay. And the tea is our tea here, or is it a peppermint tea, or is it a combination? Um, no, of it's the a two? black tea with fresh mint and lots of sugar, or okay. black tea with sage and okay. or with thyme like so you yep. can have it with different herbs the sage one is really nice mm. and, and then there's another one that is just cinnamon um so it's not actually tea it's just mm-hmm. cinnamon bark that you stew for a lo- long time in water and yeah, yeah and then you serve it with like walnuts and cinnamon and sugar on top that's after a baby's been born oh, it's wow, delicious so beautiful yeah 
Yes, man, you've talked about a lot of amazing foods here tonight. And just but before we finish up, I, I'd be interested to know how you go about sort of the challenge of living somewhere like Alice Springs where we have really a limited repertoire of, of foods in our supermarkets. What do you replace things with? So you said um, that you replace the ghee with the... Oh, Samle with ghee. Samle with ghee, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, there's a lot of things that you can get. Like, you know, you can now get pomegranate molasses. And you can. You, orange have to, you have to look for blossom it, water and yep. you can get all of those. There's some things that... Like even down south, you just can't get, mm -hmm. which is, I haven't found the proper cheese for the desserts. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's there, I just can't find it. The hardest thing to get is the jamit to make oneself. Mm -hmm. Customs keeps taking it away from me. Oh, I was going to ask <laughs> if you've managed to get it through customs. Yeah, no, I always declare it and they mostly take they it take it away <laughs> and then I burst into tears and howl and um, sometimes they give it back. <laughs> <laughs> And um, there, there used to be a time where you were able to buy it in Sydney in one shop and then he also couldn't get it anymore. Yep. You can get like tetra packs of it where okay. it's dissolved already, but they're not, they've got lots of preservatives in them. Yeah. They're not so yummy. And I've got a cousin living in Sydney and her husband makes a kind of jamit replacement sauce out of yogurt but okay it's nice but it's have not the same have you ever thought of doing it here because you can get goats fresh goats milk here wouldn't that be fun i don't even know how to ferment it and then dry it oh we should look into that yes <gasps> let's and do we it we have another show on how we've <laughs> fermented goats milk and <laughs> made stones out of um, yep. dried goat's milk. I mean, it's a really yogurt. specialised yeah. kind of I love a thing. challenge. So, yes. <laughs> oh, I would love that too. Are you bringing foods up from Canberra when you come up here? Yeah. Yeah, as like, well. Yep. Yeah, like spices. I, I, the spices need to be fresh. They do, and there are and quite a few spices you can't get yeah. here. And, and I always bring spices back when I go to Jordan because they're yeah. even fresher. And they let me bring the spices. Oh, really? That's worries. great. Yeah. yeah. No, you can bring spices and no props. And yeah, like you just get like a whole kilo of like really green, lovely cardamom and a whole kilo. Yeah. Of, you know, it's all fresh and nice. Yeah. I think I need to go home and check my spices. Check how old they are. I mean, I use my spices regularly, but it's I've started putting the dates on them so that I can throw them out when they're just too old. Yeah. You can normally tell that they don't taste yeah. anything as lovely as they should. And it's funny that you ended up in the desert, isn't it? Kind of feels like home, though. Growing so. up in the desert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks Yasmeen. I'm really yeah. excited and I'm actually feeling really hungry as well <laughs> at the moment. So I've, kind of, I've got hummus on my mind right now. Mm, yeah, that's always good. Hummus, yeah. So you've been listening to Kitchen Radio on ACCC Community Radio. Again, I'd like to thank Yasmeen. If I, just, I know I just did before, but I'm just doing it again. Pleasure I've again. that down. <laughs> um, we're going to go out tonight with another contemporary uh, Jordanian song. This is called Samla by Jadal. Good night. Tune in next week.